1: Promotional consideration for today's episode is brought to you by New Amsterdam. Imagine a world where creatives always have a key to the city. New Amsterdam makes high-quality notebooks with creative people in mind. That's K-N-E-W, Amsterdam, dot com. Use promo code NEWDAY and receive free shipping off your first order. NewAmsterdam.com. Welcome, citizen.
0: Tonight on an all-new OK Talk... It's just
2: worth being reminded that the world is huge and deeply, deeply strange. And that anything else you believe is wrong. Right, yeah. <laughs> like the world is actually so much weirder than we give it, Greta. It's all kind of there, but you have to be willing to actually go and, and, and look for it.
3: If there is anyone that doesn't know about Atlas Obscura, I, I just copied the titles of three stories that I was reading today. One of them was tracing the development of the doppelganger, and Matt and I have had a discussion about the doppelganger. Now, Carl, I know you're fascinated by the concept of the doppelganger of seeing someone who looks exactly like you. Yeah. Jake has emailed in. He
1: says, "Carl, if you could spend a day with an exact replica of you, okay? So somehow they've cloned you, Carl, and they've got you've got him for one day. What would you do with this? What would you what would you make him do? What would you uh, what conversation would you have with him? What
4: would you do? Is there anything you could?" You know, how would you utilize him for one day?
2: Well they'd both say I'm not bothered, and that'd be the end
4: of conversation. <laughs>
2: yeah. What would do me head in is
1: Does it does he think the same way, look the same way, exactly dress the him? same? How would I know which one I was?
2: <laughs> <laughs> because you'd be you. That's amazing. No, no, no. How would I know which That's one I was? Incredible. No, because that is the most stupid thing ever said by a human being. Can we get the Guinness Book of Records on this? Has anyone anywhere in the world said anything more stupid than, how would I know which one was me?
1: Denizens of the universe, fans of the spoken word, welcome to OK Talk. We have a very special guest for you tonight. His name is Dylan Thuris, who I believe... ...is the very definition of a legend tripper. And he's also, coincidentally, the co-founder of Atlas Obscura. What is that? Well, it's a guide to the world's hidden wonders... ...as well as a vehicle to take you to those places if you dare follow them. It's for the adventure seekers, fans of the curious, urban explorers. It's the place for you to go. Atlas Obscura. We reach Dylan, via the miracle of telephonic communication, near a laundromat that doubles as a bar and is filled with old pinball machines in brooklyn new york
2: hello
3: dylan
2: hey what's going on is this Clint?
3: yes sir what's up man how you doing i'm very 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 well i'm here with matt hi dylan how are you
2: hey matt what's going on i'm, I'm doing well
3: nice to have you
2: yeah it's a pleasure pleasure to be on your show
3: dude you're like my hero.
2: <laughs> that that can't be right. That's it. You you have a lot better options.
3: It really it really is though. And I was actually so internet stalking you today, while quote unquote producing a national radio show, and um, <laughs> I was uh, looking at your minimums site.
2: Oh yeah yeah yeah. That was such a weird funny um, thing. That thing.
3: I mean. Are you telling me I can't still buy the 120 sided die?
2: Oh, you can! That thing is amazing. I think that's still available. I I, those dice guys are like are are wild. They produce some really amazing stuff.
1: How do you even tell what side is up on a 120 sided die?
2: You have to look pretty closely to be really sure which side (laughs) is the right side. Um, But you can if you like really. You can tell. You can tell. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. (laughs)
3: Thank you so much for taking the time. We're both gigantic fans. In fact, we were just having a discussion about the term and the topic legend tripping, Mm -hmm. which is what I am 150% about and kind of use that broad subject for what we do. And you guys have provided countless content. (laughs) um i'm i'm fascinated with the with the network that you have i told matt i was looking at jobs on your site today (laughs) um and we're actually what's crazy is so uh as radio producers we get pitched stuff all the time and i had been pitched by one of my girls over there at discovery about Mm -hmm. uh you know the spooky show about the hotel cecil and we we're both fascinated with it. And I was like, "Hey, you know, Deborah, trying to circle back with her, can we still do this?" And she's like, "Well, the show already ran, but Hadley actually wants to do shows. Here's her email address, and it's Hadley at Atlas Obscura."
2: Oh yeah, I know Hadley. Hadley's great.
3: Yeah, she said the same about you. Well, we're actually <laughs> we're actually going to talk to her after we talk to you.
2: Oh good.
3: Which is um, which will be kind of some cool symmetry. How did you get involved? and started with something like Atlas Obscura.
2: Yeah, I mean, so it, it it's coming up now almost on 10 years since we had the first kind of like conversation that that led to Atlas Obscura. So the, the sort of short story is Josh and I, my co-founder, worked on a previous project. We met, you know, like on the internet. Uh, he had a cool blog and he put out a call for, for someone to help him put on a live event And I got in touch and like for two years, like he kind of grilled me and like gave this really like formal process. And like two years later, he told me that I was the only person who contacted him. (laughs) I was like, oh, man, what? Um, But uh, so we did this. We put on this like night of of wonders uh, called the First Annual Proceedings of the Athanasius Kirker Society. And uh, there's never been any more. There was one, the first and only. Anyway, and it was like a a kind of a real world wondercomer. Like we had the real life Rain Man, a guy named Kim Peake uh, was there. Uh, We had a man named Colonel Joe Kittinger, uh, who up until very recently held the the record for the world's longest free fall. He basically went up in the 50s with uh, the Air like before NASA even existed into in a weather balloon and kind of like stepped out into space and 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 so we just put on this whole big kind of thing and i i was heading off to live in eastern europe and uh and so we started talking a little bit about travel and like the kinds of places that that attracted to us and we were interested in uh there just wasn't much out there for like the stuff we were interested in um there was like a there was an out of print book called weird europe Uh, And it was like it was it was fine, but even that took kind of dismissive tone of some of the the places. And so we thought, why don't we make a like a site that we can put all these places we know about and other people can submit places they know. I mean, it was really started completely as a passion project Uh, and and grew from there. I mean, the first couple of years was like writing from the kitchen table on nights and weekends, that kind of stuff. So it just sort of slowly built and built. And yeah, it's been really good
1: what what was the main thrust for that those initial posts was it urban exploration was it weird history was it a little bit of everything
2: it was it was a little bit of everything although i have to say it 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 featured fairly heavily it featured eastern europe pretty heavily because uh that's where i was living at the time and was kind of exploring you were in area. uh
3: you're in budapest
2: yeah exactly in, right. in budapest exactly and uh And so it was heavy on that stuff. So it had a lot of like Saint relics and things like that. And then it was like a mix of things that we just happened to know about. I'm like trying to remember some of the early ones, like Lila's hair art museum, which Mm -hmm. is based in like Kansas city. That was an early post. I think Josh knew that one. Um, So it was sort of a random smattering of things that either we discovered, like actually came across or, uh, or, or somehow one of us had like had learned about. Um, I remember one of the early entries I wrote up was uh, was Galileo's middle finger, which which like weirdly had been no no one had written anything about it. Uh, What's the hardly.
3: deal with Galileo's middle finger? I, I've seen this. <laughs> yeah. It's in a glass case somewhere, right?
2: Yeah. So in in the. Um, History of the Museum of Science, which is basically on the same block as the Uffizi, which is like very famous Renaissance art museum. There's all these tourists and a super long line. Like if they walk around the block, you can go to the museum of the history of science. And um, and in that in that museum, among like these amazing scientific artifacts, the lodestones, the armillary spheres, the telescopes, whatever. There's this yeah this little glass egg this shriveled human fragment and, and that is Galileo's middle finger. And basically it, the story is that like an admirer of his, um, exhumed him about a hundred years after, after his death and sort of took a few mementos, some fingers, some, some, uh, uh, vertebrae and, uh, and, and the middle finger is what ended up in the museum. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a, there's a kind of poignancy to the Galileo's middle finger. Cause I mean, you know, he was put on, on house arrest by the church for 20 years. So I feel like it's appropriate. Yeah, exactly.
3: I thought you guys uh, were about to tell me that it was the reason he could mirror right and <laughs> that he was an ancient alien. That was the whole reason that he I, I was like, I didn't know it all based around his middle finger.
2: It, it's all based around the middle finger. That's right. So um, it,
3: Yeah. It sounds a lot like y- you do what. I enjoy, Matt enjoys, which is if I'm going somewhere, I want to go there for a reason. I want to, yeah. I want to, and I think this is so perfect for the age that we live in, right? The digital media, the social media, people want to be able to say, hey, check it out. I'm in Kansas City on some other bullshit, but here's Galileo's middle finger. You know, I got yeah. to check out or uh, totally. this haunted hotel or this crazy, creepy forest and I was actually reading about the monster forest. We were putting a little Facebook post out, kind of teasing that we were going to have you. And I was looking at the video about the, yeah, the, Marzo? The, the Roman forest. Yeah.
2: In Italy, the monsters, the, the, like the giant kind of screaming mouth. Yes. Stone face kind of thing. Right. Yeah, man. That's a great, what a, what a great place that is. Um, yeah, so that was that was built, if my memory serves me, that was made by a, a 15th century uh, prince. He was very wealthy who, who suffered like a ton of tragedy. Like he lost his wife, his best friend died, all of this. He was in a war and he came back really, he was really scarred by these experiences. And so as a kind of like post-traumatic um, uh, effort to, to, to work some of this stuff out, he created this, this sort of garden, like surrealist, uh, garden with all of these kind of figures in agony and these giant screaming faces that you can like walk inside of um and and it it really like kind of was pretty um unknown it actually had kind of fallen into disrepair and salvador dali uh, like rediscovered it and made a film people. about it and yeah it's like uh it was a very appropriate thing for him to to reintroduce to the world so yeah it's a really cool spot
1: uh, you've been into the urban e- exploration thing for a while, right?
2: Yeah, since since uh, since I was a teenager, I grew up in Minneapolis, and and uh, I was a as a teenager, I was a, I was a straight edger, so I didn't drink, I didn't do any drugs, but I kind of I replaced that with um, with graffiti and and urban mm-hmm. exploration. I mm-hmm. mean, really, and I and I think the thing that um, I realized at that age is just like how how much there is kind of hiding and in plain sight like how how, there are these crazy 12 story tall buildings you know like right two blocks from the main downtown that were totally abandoned and were these like playgrounds for graffiti kids and and whoever was sort of like willing to to get into them
3: so what was your favorite straight edge hardcore band
2: (laughs) you know what's funny is i never got into the music i was kind of like i didn't i i wasn't i was like uh I was a poser as far as like straight edge <laughs> culture. Went. No,
3: I, just, I I don't think I, so. I mean, there's just a lot of screaming and, and yeah. I was also, I had friends who played in a band that were in the straight edge hardcore movement and I played sports and was clean as a whistle. But yeah. I saw the guy from the band earth crisis get hit in the face with a frozen sausage from the crowd. <laughs> and I was like, these people, <laughs> They're not any happier or more pleasant than anyone I've ever met in my <laughs> or, life. Or
2: like any better adjusted, right?
3: Right, totally. <laughs> I I I always thought that the straight edge movement was limited by its musical capacity because all it was uh, it seemed to involve a lot of screaming and one chord playing. Definitely. Yeah, um we're into the urban exploration thing too. I, in fact, I was in we're in, we're based in Dallas and okay. I was uh fascinated i, I kind of halloween all the time in a weird way that i'm always looking up weird stuff and there was this hotel that kept popping up on all of these lists in dallas that was like one of the most haunted places and it's not the baker hotel which is featured on the atlas obscura website and everybody knows about and we've talked about and that's actually in mineral wells but it's downtown dallas right by the sh- kennedy shooting site and the reason is, is because it had gone into disrepair and was bought and is actually it may be the only boutique la quinta hotel in the world like every time i would type in the address and it would show me la quinta i was thinking i was doing something wrong (laughs) but uh it was a hotel in downtown dallas that had two floors dedicated to gambling and women during the prohibition times and lots of horrid tales and all that and i i i'm all about going into places going and trying to find not even so much that they're abandoned anymore, but places where there's a story, because I think eventually that's what this is all about, is telling stories.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: totally. So what is the creepiest place that you've ever been?
2: Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. I'm not especially superstitious like i mean i stayed in the clown motel for some people that's like that's, that's their ultimate nightmare that's
3: a weird well, place yeah that's a really a weird, weird place.
2: place it's got some great nice like you know portraits of of uh clown paintings on the wall and and well over 700 clowns in the in the little <laughs> lobby there it's like middle of nowhere nevada and and well I, the best thing about it is that it's like right next door to this um abandoned minor cemetery Oh lord! Like, these like little wooden you know crosses right. that say things like lost the will to live it's <laughs> <And
1: so, laughs> so one that's way of putting it one.
2: i mean but it didn't i don't i'm trying to think of the creepiest place i've ever been i okay no here's a good one here's a here's a here's one that and it's it's creepy for a very straightforward reason which is that um the, basically there's this series of tunnels and i just want to give it the right name which is escaping me at the at the moment
3: this is going to end up being the place from whence that package that we got from new york sent to us oh, came. right, yeah our little tiny podcast which actually started as a demo tape for coast to coast am of all places oh, nice. i don't know like we have the most loyal followers and but we received this package in the mail that was I, I should say I received it. Yeah, when that's I, right. When, you know, <laughs> when I worked in radio, they they found my address. Of course they the, did. I try to wipe my shit off the internet <laughs> so that I don't get things like that. So
1: it showed up at work, and it was yeah, it was a uh, it was a just a cardboard box with a unpainted gnome named Icepick and uh, and some. Some dirt from Met Stadium and
3: a few other things. And, that- and a message written on the back of a box of Egos, Right. Like, like a Lego of my Eggos. Like the dude wrote the message on a torn up box of Egos. Yeah. Waffles. Like how <laughs> like Matt opened it. And again, we're talking about in a cluster in Dallas-Fort Worth, you know, top five market where there's radio stations and he's opening it and they thought you were getting a package from ISIS or something. <laughs> right. People were wearing masks <laughs> around you. Uh, I, I don't mean to derail, but I'm sure you guys have received some
1: pretty wild packages as well.
2: we We do get some mysterious stuff in the mail <laughs> once in a while. We also get some really nice stuff. like oh no, this guy rebound the book in like leather hide and like made this beautiful like embossed tome, which I still which I have and I like treasure. yeah, and occasionally I, we get a lot of actually more via email than than physical letters, but people do send us stuff. We get people like get really confused somehow how, about what we are. And so they will be like, I have this old, especially cause we list some like paranormal. We have like the Warren collection of like haunted stuff. So people are like, I have a set of old dentist tools. Definitely haunted. Are you interested? <laughs> Most <laughs> definitely <laughs>
3: will has you know, like, taken out a crown in the middle of honest, the night.
2: Like, you know, like no, but you know, thanks for, thanks for inquiring. But it's, that's funny uh, that
3: you say that I went to the uh, American pickers original location this summer or earlier in the year, and sat and talked for like an hour with two girls there as I felt so sorry for them because every person that I witnessed come in there was like, well, I got this tractor, and it's from 1952, and there's only like a 100 of them, and Mike and Frank would want it. I guarantee you they'd want it. <laughs> and I'm just watching this poor oh girl's face like, oh. How many of those do you get a day? So you were talking about these tunnels. That's what made me think okay. about the weird ice pick letter.
2: So so they're called the Tweed Tunnels, tunnels and they're in Nyack, New York. Uh, and the Tweed Tunnels were basically like this huge project uh, around World War One. They were dug so that there could be the shooting range and the soldiers could walk, you know, around without getting accidentally shot. Uh, but the whole thing was like a giant boondoggle. They didn't work. They were accidentally, like, shooting the neighbor's houses. So they basically got abandoned. So in this in this state park, uh, there is this giant network of these like concrete tunnels. And the thing that makes them creepy is is nothing super you know, paranormal. Uh, it is the fact that they are the home to like tens of thousands of these things called cave crickets, which are like the size of uh, I don't know, like a uh, uh, a Butterfinger. They're so big. They're gigantic. (laughs) Good grief. That's a little, okay, like a mini Butterfinger. Okay. A Halloween Butterfinger is like the right actual like size of them. But that's a big-ass cricket. It's, they're freaking, (laughs) like a cockroach. They're gigantic and they line the, the walls and ceiling and the thing is that when you walk past them, it freaks them out so they leap onto you. Oh, forget that. So, like when we went when i went to this tunnel the first time i actually didn't realize they were crickets i thought they were like the biggest spiders i'd ever seen so Mm -hmm. yeah me and my buddy came out like totally Mm -hmm. uh we were we were slightly agog
3: (laughs) what was the name of those tunnels again
2: they're called the tweed tunnels and they're actually really easy to to access um they're in they're in nyack and they're in a state park there and you can go and kind of um wander around and just go in them and, and, you know, check them out. They're like not locked down or anything. I,
1: I really appreciate that they have um, maintained access to those things. I, I had a similar situation, not, not quite as creepy, but my wife and I, um, a couple of months ago, took a trip a, a few hours north in Oklahoma to uh, this place called Turner Falls. And it's like a beautiful, you know, natural. They have rivers and, uh, and, and waterfalls. But also on that on that park is this uh, castle that was built on the side of a, of a hill, and it's actually a network of castles, there, there's a few, and it was a summer retreat back in the 20s or something for a, a rich person in the area, probably some sort of oil man, and um, they just kind of have opened these things up now, and you can wander around in them, the staircases are all broken, there's no uh, handrails or anything like that, so you kind of do it at your own risk, but um, they they say yeah if you want to go check out the castles you can and it's just these abandoned awesome. stone buildings that you can walk through and climb all the way up to the top of the tower and um and i it's it's one of those feelings that you don't and I, and it's 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 what i like about the book and it's what i like about the website it's one of those feelings that you don't get a lot nowadays where everything is so uh packaged and uh almost sterilized in a way like you have to really yeah. Either get off the beaten track or find these places that have maintained this sense of history about them.
2: Totally, that's a, it's absolutely true. I had a there's a place in Colorado called Bishop Castle, which is built by this one guy, Jim Bishop, and it's like sixteen stories tall. He like literally built the whole thing himself. It's made of rock. It looks like a medieval castle. It's got a fire breathing <laughs> dragon on top, and these like huge like walkways made out of uh, like wrought iron that he welded. And like, you could just go, I went in the winter. So there was really no one there. And you'd like walk around this thing and you're like, I will, there's a decent chance I'm going to die here. And right. it's like such a great feeling. It <laughs> right. is a great
3: feeling. Yeah. And see, I guess when I mentioned that the creepy thing, I think a lot of the places that you guys um, highlight are, it's almost the natural creepiness of a place, mm-hmm. the abandoned feeling um, yeah. like, if I was going to try to think of someone who would actually been to Chernobyl, it would be you. Have Have you ventured that far?
2: It's funny. I haven't been yet, but we just ran a trip. Uh, we do these international trips, and we just sent like 15 people with a guide there. So I, I, I've i been to a bunch of other parts of Eastern Europe, but I have yet to visit Chernobyl. I'm hoping to go the next time we take a, a group out. Um, yeah, no, totally. I feel like the, the abandoned places, it's like a little bit of like memento mori, but like for everything they're just like oh yeah like it's all gonna be dust like it's all, like <laughs> all of this is just gonna like fall apart one day that's crazy and i i, I have to i wanted to ask you guys actually because you guys are into le- legend tripping you guys talked about um highgate cemetery at all the in london magicians. in london do you know this story about the dueling magicians and like what happened in the 70s with that place
3: why don't you refresh everyone's memory
2: so, it's one of my favorite like legend tripping examples, and how this like these things can become bigger. So basically, Highgate Cemetery is this like beautiful, amazing Victorian cemetery now outside of London. and it was abandoned for years and was in a ton of like hammer horror films. so it it really like cemented its place in people's minds as like the epitome of this kind of creepy Victorian gothic you know, over exactly like completely gothic um and so in this in the 70s basically you know had this vampiric rumor that there was this vampire there and and these two magicians who were like in their early 20s basically started kind of dueling to uh banish the vampire one of them was kind of like a good magician then there's kind of an evil magician but they were both like and, and so all of this, but basically these early rumors um, about this vampire in the cemetery got like sort of being uh, printed in newspapers People were saying like, you know, oh, beware of the, the vampire of Highgate Cemetery. So what happened is like more and more kids would come out to the cemetery and leave like weird satanic symbols. And then other kids would come and see those satanic symbols. And then it became this kind of like crazy vampire panic to the point where like, like a beheaded corpse was found sitting in a car near the cemetery. Like it was from the cemetery, but like someone had like moved it. The graves were being disturbed on Halloween that the cops basically showed up to be like, no one can go in the cemetery. It's like off limits. And they were overrun. They were overwhelmed by a riot, like a mob of kids climbed the fences and like went leaping into the cemetery with their like homemade, like, like stakes and like vampire kits and like, these two magicians ended up in court suing each other to this day. They're in their it's like seventies. Now they hate each other. It's set off this like life long battle. They are absolutely despise each other. They, they've spent the entire time the internet has existed like berating and creating rumors about the each other and like making this entire industry of just like tearing the other one down. It is, It is a bizarre and amazing story. And just that cycle of, like, some kids go to a cemetery. They say they heard it was haunted. They, like, leave some weird, spooky shit there because they're teenagers. And then when the next teenagers come, they're like, holy Holy shit. shit. It's definitely true. (laughs) It's like an echo chamber around these places. And then the the media picks it up, and it becomes this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy where, like, in fact, it is... You know, and there was a, a case in Nebraska where some kid got shot because of one of these things where, like, town publishes an article and then, like, old lady sees a kid in the cemetery, it assumes it's a Satanist, and, you know, no. Isn't
3: that I mean, the thing with uh, Slender Man, right? Yeah, yeah. There Wasn't was the, there, like, yeah. the kid
2: that killed the other kid because of that, right? Yeah,
3: totally.
1: Or, the, or the, the creepy clown sightings from last year. I think about how those had to have just been feeding off of each other, and, and it, it just kinda, got to an insane pace of you're seeing that everywhere
2: yeah and I kind of love I love the way that like folklore and the, the desire to like find those experiences of wildness like all interact and then sometimes end up in these things that are just like totally out of control and amazing
1: how'd you like to have Dylan's job I know I would that sounds awesome uh, we'll get back to our interview with Dylan Thuris in just a moment but first I want to tell you this so as many of you know Clint's an odd philosophical creature and out of the blue the other night, he asked me a question which, like many of the verbal roads we traveled together, led us to a rather unique discussion about a mythical city where creativity is not only celebrated but is also the key.
3: I wanted to ask you a philosophical question real quick. Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be special to you?
1: What does it mean to be special? I certainly think it means to be unique. Unique in a way that I think is meaningful to... If someone were to call me special, I would think not only do I stand out to them, but I'm also meaningful to them in the way, and I improve their life, I would would assume.
3: I told someone recently that I thought that they were special. Mm -hmm. And it sparked this conversation about how... They weren't, and that nobody is, and that in fact, it may not be really that great of a thing to tell people that they're special. Really, maybe this was a person whom nobody had made them feel special or told them that, mm-hmm. I guess. And it, it took like a really personal thing to me like, you're special to me because we do this art together, right? I've never done anything like this with anybody else and that shit is special to me it's unique because you could run a bunch of other people in here and it just wouldn't work it wouldn't be okay talk baby it'd be the same this person is going to end up hearing this and they're going to be like what <laughs> it's okay they already think i'm crazy so i don't care but what i ended up doing was before i had a conversation with someone about whether or not someone was special I did something that I thought was really cool for them and gave them something but I also had this little notebook and I hand wrote a couple of things in there I was told that it was like one of the most amazing gifts that they had gotten if you listen to our last little, the little mixtape that I put out, the first song in that mixtape is called Dig in a Grave by Micah P. Henson, whom I went to school with in Abilene. He's super world famous, it's crazy. He's great, and one thing that we used to do when he was in Europe, we started corresponding by handwriting, and we'd get like elaborate leaflet paper. Hoping this letter finds you well, <laughs> Micah. You know, that that kind of idea. And how often in the way that we live and do the things that we do, everything's so digital. And there's actually been studies that prove that writing something down by hand on paper, like your memory retention is super high. Mm -hmm.
1: It stands out. It's so much more tactile and using different parts of your brain than simply typing on a keyboard. You're actually having to put the pen to the paper and create the words as you think them. You're not just pounding on keys. You're making individual movements. It's so much more special and, and unique to that person. Your handwriting is completely different from mine.
3: Completely. Yeah. And the kind of thing that you need to practice. (laughs) Right. I I mean, that is not a joke. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to say something to someone in a written form that is emotional, Mm man, man, it's hard it's hard and you want it to be perfect and you may like rip out a piece of that notebook paper because it just didn't look perfect and then you may do it again because you want them to know that they're special right right well dear listener you guys have heard us talk about New Amsterdam, and that's k-n-e-w-amsterdam.com. I'm completely fascinated with the people over there because, number one, they contacted us about sponsoring the podcast, which is a rare thing to find someone.
1: Well, it's very rare. I will, I will tell you <laughs> that. I was shocked when I heard that.
3: When someone comes and tells you that, hey, we enjoy what you do and we would like to do some things with you. One of the things that New Amsterdam does, it's built around the idea, making something for creative people, creative types. Their flagship product is called the Notebook One. It's a thick covered journal that's easily secured by a reinforced elastic band. It's sleek, pleasing to the eye and cost effective alternative to similar products. And New Amsterdam put these together to kind of help people who are creative types. Believe it or not, there's a lot of things that fall under the idea of a creative type, from people who write down feelings, emotions, letters, to making lists. People who are good list makers. It's impressive. A little bit of an art form to that, right? (laughs) Yeah. You just need to check out their website. It's newamsterdam.com. K-N-E-W, Amsterdam.com. It's built around the idea of the creation of a city, like New Amsterdam was actually what New York was called early on. And it's almost to try to enforce a community aspect of things. And the guy who's running the thing, I love this about him, Mm -hmm. goes by the name The Mayor, and he's like super elusive. But I know firsthand that he is a real person. He does exist. They have packages where you get like a couple of pens like a cell phone or a notebook holder. The logo's really cool. And the thing is, is it's really cost effective. You would look at some of their stuff and think that it would be really expensive.
1: I mean, I've been in the store. I've looked at
3: nice notebooks
1: and they can run $20.
3: If you use the promotional code NEWDAY, K-N-E-W-D-A-Y, you get free shipping off your first order. Look, we don't do this a whole lot where we actually come and tell you, hey, this this is not what we do. But being in radio the way that we both have been, I wouldn't be telling you that something was awesome if I didn't think that it was.
1: It was really meaningful to me when I found out that they wanted to sponsor the show, not just because they believed in us, but because of what they... I thought how perfect for not just us, but for our listeners. Because I feel like if you're listening to the show, you have that creative spark in you. And maybe you don't express it in in the same way as everybody else does, but... I feel like it takes a creative person to really enjoy this show. and
3: It takes someone that's special.
1: Exactly. It seems like such a simple thing, having a journal. But if you've never had that book that is your own, if you've never gone out and gotten one and then cracked it open and gone through the process of writing down something, whether you keep a dream journal, whether you write a diary of some sort, whether you have just your odds and end thoughts that come to you throughout the day and you think, I want to follow up on that later... I mean, I, I mean it when I, when I open up this one that I have in front of me for the show that I keep only my show notes in. I enter a different mindset where I'm thinking about the show and I'm writing something down because I want to talk about it or because I want to remember it. And if you've never gone through that for the prices that they're selling them for, I mean, you can you can get you a nice journal and it really does add an aspect to your life that you may not have had before
3: right and we're at that time of the year where these make cool gifts yeah especially to that someone who may be special to you this would be a cool thing because you're giving them the blank page Mm -hmm. and like then it's up to them what to do with it but there's a quote from the mayor that I really dig and um, he was asked about just like the idea of basing your company around a notebook. And it's notebook one, which I love. Like, mm-hmm. it's your number one notebook, right? He said there's really something fascinating about actually putting something down on the page. A fleeting thought becomes real, and that thought is on its way to becoming something great. And I dig that so much. Yeah. And they also have something else really cool there that's like a cigarette holder, but you <laughs> could also put like business cards in it or left handed cigarettes that's really sharp. I often tell people how awesome the people are that listen to this podcast and how like loyal they are and stuff to us. It's a way for you guys to support us. So support this podcast, support new Amsterdam, become a citizen, support the mayor.
1: <laughs> Why wouldn't you want to do that?
3: It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. I'm so happy to see
1: that this place exists.
3: Right. And again, that's K-N-E-W Go check them out. Swing by their page and just say, hey, I heard about you on OK Talk. Mm-hmm. That would be massive if you went by their Facebook page and told them, I heard about you on OK Talk. I really dig it. And here's the other thing. The mayor, he runs their Twitter account. OK, his Twitter feed is greatness from a day ago. Beautiful things in this world happen when we're tolerant and open to new ideas. This shouldn't change. This is a company with some thought behind it and whatever that thought is, I dig it. And I dig their products. Matt and I both do. So please go by, check them out. Thank you so much to New Amsterdam and thank you so much, citizens of the OK Talk universe. If there is anyone that's listening and doesn't know about Atlas Obscura, I, I just copy like just the titles of three stories that I was reading today. One of them was Squirrels in Toronto Can't Stop Attacking Christmas Lights. Two, (laughs) Tracing the Development of the Doppelganger. And Matt and I have had a discussion about the Doppelganger and how to appease household spirits around the world and how different cultures do that. And your newsletter is amazing, which if people just go to the website and sign up for the newsletter, the stories that you send. And around Halloween, I was... I love the old monster vampire slash werewolf stories. I love the Eastern Europe just craze. I think that the way that a lot of those cultures freaked out about things, it was like fake news on acid, you know, back, (laughs) back (laughs) in the day, like that guy's really hairy and, and there's something going on with him and the book. Congratulations, man. Like, thank you. It's, it's amazing. It's, not so big that it's a coffee table book and you can't take somewhere, but it's big enough that the pictures matter, the stories matter, you guys piece it together so well, and I'm, I'm just really impressed with, with what you guys have going on. Like I said, it, that's hero type stuff for dudes who like to do the adventure thing.
2: I really appreciate it. I, I think, I mean, honestly, the whole, I'm like a huge nerd. Unsurprisingly, I, I you know, I, I, when I'm not doing obscure, Obscura, I like love sci-fi and fantasy and I'm a DM. I play a bunch of D and D and Dungeon Master. Like, I think the thing that, that like connects all of that is like, it's just worth being reminded that the world is huge and deeply, deeply strange. And that anything else you believe is wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like the world is actually so much weirder than we give it credit for. And if you like start pulling on those threads, like it all kind of you, you just end up with this like unbelievable bizarro surrealist, you know, stuff. Like you just it's it's all kind of there, but you have to be willing to actually go and and um and, and look for it
1: well it's it's almost like people have been um trained or uh, made to believe that you shouldn't talk about this stuff and i i'm one of the few people in my office that is like really into the, you know the the weird type of the weird side of life and when mm-hmm. i start to pull on that thread a little bit as i always end up doing because I'll, somebody always asks me hey what's going on with this or that and i'll start to pull on that thread and inevitably you'll hear people saying oh well I something you know I saw something weird the other night, or uh, I had this weird thing happen to me when I was a kid, or I went to this place, and I think that's what's so cool, uh, and uh, I I love places like like your website and your book that that p- keep pushing against that idea that this stuff is gone from the world and, and these things don't exist anymore. That there is still weirdness out there, and you should embrace it, and you should
2: be okay with it. Yeah, it makes the world a more interesting place to oh live in, Oh my for sure. gosh,
3: so much so. And, and I consider myself, I'm, I'm a liberal-minded guy in the heart of conservative talk radio. And <laughs> I, I constantly am constantly pushing back against the idea um, of people who mock science. But one thing that drives me crazy about science is science's insistence that they know everything, which was why Galileo got treated the way that he did. That the idea that we have it all figured out now everywhere, everything, and everything's been discovered and every place has been, when we clearly know there are places that haven't been mapped or, I mean, Salvador Dali found a damn monster forest us that the Romans <laughs> built. You, <laughs> you know, that stuff happens and it happens yeah. every day. Every day yeah. something new is discovered or the, the world turns out a new mystery. But it is so funny that you mentioned about the D&D thing because I would have totally forgot to tell Matt this. And I just want to ask you if you think that this is weird or if you've ever done this. So yesterday, I'm in my hometown with my parents and my little girl. And I met them after church at this very, very nice steakhouse in Tyler called Saltgrass. It's packed. And we're in a booth in the back corner and I'm having this just, oh my gosh, this pork chop, dude. Jelly, bacon jelly. <laughs> it's so dope. And the way they make their Brussels sprouts. But what's hilarious is there's four people in the booth behind me. And the first thing that I heard was killed in combat. And here I am thinking, well, I'm in a you know small southern town. Somebody lost somebody. No, my man, no. They spent the entire hour that they were behind us talking about it. It was either D and D or world of Warcraft. <laughs> uh-huh. And it got to the point where I nearly pulled my phone out and started recording <laughs> because the conversations that were coming back from me were like there, but it wasn't like they were playing. It was like they were studying, which I mm-hmm. just thought was so amazing. And that's not a cheap place to go eat. And why you would choose that place instead of like I hop, to go have your conversation in the middle of a Sunday afternoon, but it was so brilliant, you know, like oh, I'm a dwarf level twelve, and this says when you're attacking. And at one point, they were going around the table, going, "What what, what race are you? What, what what race are you? Oh yeah, and
2: yeah, yeah, and that's D and
3: D. It's it's got it had to have been D and D. <laughs> and the one chick had I'm- her laptop open. Yeah, and you know what? I was actually disappointed in the fact that they got up and left before I was able to get up and just (laughs) high five them because to me that took balls to be in Tyler, Texas and be sitting in a very fancy steakhouse and not caring at all. Like it wasn't like under hushed tones. Like what if we get the wizardry? It was, Oh no, if you're a dwarf, we need to meet up and we're going to do this thing.
2: Loud. D &D is back, baby. D and D is, D and D is coming back in a big way. I never left but but I think it's re-entering the cultural consciousness in a massive way which makes me happy
3: are you still playing the <laughs> are you still playing a lot of pinball
2: I personally uh, well I moved so I'm not close to my pinball spot anymore but I still love it I'm That's
1: still shareable.
2: But I really, I really love pinball. It's there are like,
1: too few yeah. good pinball spots
2: in the world anymore. Yeah,
3: he went to sure. a laundromat. Wasn't that a laundromat with a pinball place?
2: Yeah, it was like it was. It was. It started out as a laundromat with pinball, like just interspersed among the machines. But the pinball started to like outnumber the the <laughs> laundry. So they created this like back room, and then they turned it into a bar. So it was like a little hidden back room with a bar and That's pinball awesome. in it. It's, it's amazing. It's That's... like if you're ever in in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, it's it's a good spot. That is so Brooklyn, sunshine right there. <laughs> yeah. I sunshine know, know. in Brooks. sunshine laundromat sunshine laundromat is
1: the spot. <laughs> shout out to sunshine there. laundromat
2: the guy who bartends there is like the i don't know 75th best pinball player in the world or something oh wow he's like up there you know king of he, kong
3: maybe a, yeah, <laughs> steve exactly. Wiebe is gonna show up <laughs> um
1: tell me a little bit about uh eastern europe because uh, like we said a, a while back that you spent some some time out there and i think from yeah. the american perspective as someone who's never been there um Eastern Europe just sort of all blends together as uh, You know, it's always gray or, or there's or, or it's, you know, Romania or something like that Like the, that you've seen in the movies But I'm curious to know what it's what it's like And uh, what you fi- found so captivating about it
2: Well, uh, I have to say Hungary And Budapest is a little bit of an, an aberration Because they're um, They're not Slavic The the Meggarul the, uh, the Hungarian people Like come from this mysterious origin you know, it's it's actually a little bit unclear where they originate from. Their language is totally different from all the Slavic languages. It's it's closer to like uh, Finnish than it is to uh, mm. other, you know, their neighboring languages, you know, like Romanian or something like that. Uh, and and, you know, it's like Budapest has this amazing feel of kind of like the whole city has this vibe of like lost grandeur. You know, because it was at the turn of the century at the at the height of the Habsburg rule sort of late 1800s I mean, this is one of the richest fanciest most sort of high society places in the world it was like and and the buildings show it and and the the culture you know it's still you still feel it in the in the street like you still feel it uh but then obviously you know they suffered like a whole series of terrible catastrophes they were invaded by the nazis and then communism you know completely sort of laid this other layer on top of it so there's sort of these like you know there'll be these beautiful late 1800s buildings with these kind of pretty like stark communist style uh like uh, fronts facades letterings like put put up uh, onto them and so it's just this interesting vibe and and it's like a relatively affordable city to live in and and the history is crazy like the the um we lived not too far from castle hill where where um you know it's it's this like incredible unbelievable castle at the top of this this huge uh hill that has all these labyrinths running underneath it uh that you can go and explore in it's got an old like uh, apothecary like pharmacy museum that has an example of um mumia powder which is like mummy powder so for a while there was a craze in europe that if you took powdered mummy like literally just ground up mummy really you, it would heal every, it would like cure everything would give you like all.
3: a 10-hour erection
2: <laughs> exactly exactly that's what
3: they're selling in the gas
2: stations these <laughs> it, days mummy yep powder. yep mummy powder all over the place and so I don't know. I loved it there. It was a really important like moment in my life. It was like, you know, we moved there completely sight unseen. We didn't know what we I moved there with my we weren't married yet, but my now wife and like we didn't know what we were doing. Got there and we're sort of like, I guess we'll start exploring. Like that's what we're gonna do. Is that a thing? And like, that's what we did. And we wrote about it. And we worked I worked on Atlas. And like, you know, we'd saved up some money. We like came back dirt broke and like just completely but it was all it was like the best decision we ever made you know I was like really Um, it was great I'm
1: sure the layers of history there are just so deep I mean you think about even if you think about a city like uh, you know a modern city like London they've got pubs there that are older than this country so, yeah. you know, you go to an area like that where, like you said, there there were so many different periods of history in one place, this opulent era and then, uh, you know, the mm-hmm. World War Two area and then communism and just things layered on top of each other until you get to what you have today. It's like an onion almost where you just you look back through history mm-hmm. at, at some of these places. Yeah, London's mm-hmm. like
3: that, too, with the bombings and the Nazis. It's like you have the old cemeteries that survived, but you also have the modern side of the tracks, as it were.
2: Right. Yeah.
3: Um,
2: yeah, I, I think this has changed. But when we were living in Hungary 10 years ago, there were these things called ruin bars, which is there were just like a lot of buildings that were had fallen into disrepair, like old, beautiful, incredible buildings. And basically the city turned a blind eye to letting people just set up bars inside of these places. There would be these great three-story tall, crumbling places uh, and you'd go in and there'd be like a bar on each floor and they'd like brought in chairs and tables and it was all lit with candles. And it was just like, it, it had a, you know, Budapest has this kind of old world romance to it. And it like really lived up to that. It was awesome.
3: You've already given us so much time. I, I just, I'm so, so, so excited to have you on. Um, it's been great. I want to, um I want to, I want to go ahead and tell everyone about the book and the website and allow you to uh, kind of give your uh, your little pitch. And then, and I'm probably going to end up taking this out of the podcast. I have like two questions that I need to ask you that are super serious.
2: Okay. <laughs> okay.
3: And now see people will be like, what's the mystery? <laughs> what? You're maintaining I have the mystery to in the say. world. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, tell everybody about the book and what's your favorite thing about it? And... You know what? I forgot. Uh, Workman's actually going to give away a couple of copies for us to listeners. So um, we're going to have to end up coming back with like a question for like what, out of mm-hmm. that conversation, if you can name mm-hmm. the three golden testicles of monkey that... <laughs> or whatever we're gonna have to do that i (laughs) I needed to say that on tape because i'll forget so matt needs to know sure unless there's some sort of a code word that you want to drop
2: oh no i don't know i'm trying to think of what a good like obscure level question would be like what the deep deep knowledge let me give me a minute i might come up with something did you ever
3: do the uh the the thing what was the the geocaching you seem like you were like you would have been like on the forefront of that
2: I, you know, I wasn't, but I have since, I have since done it. Uh, and it's definitely in the same vibe. Like it's definitely in the, you know, same spirit about Subscura And so I like it for the same reasons. It just gets people out into the world, like experiencing it. you know, and once you start doing that, you're like, Oh, the world is crazy. Like the world is huge and amazing. And so, uh, you know, yeah, it's awesome. I'm, I'm a big fan. Um,
3: what would be your number one then thing that you would, uh, what's your number one travel advice for the average joe who wants to go somewhere awesome and I'm going to give you a chance to I want to talk about the the trips you guys do but sure what's the best you've been all over the world what's what's your number one travel tip it could be anything uh,
2: yeah i mean i think like don't be afraid to be like lost and in a sketchy place and like like it's 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 generally better to be brave and like go on some adventure that like might end up being really dumb or slightly disastrous than it is to stay home and not do that. Like it's usually really rewarding, even if it ends up being disastrous. So like the only, the, the best piece of advice is like, try not to get in your own way. Like try to just trust that like you'll figure it out we didn't used to have phones, like let your phone die. Like maybe you'll get lost. Maybe you'll have to ask strangers and you won't speak the same language. Like in the end, you'll probably end up in a bed with some food in your stomach. Like it's okay. Like it's best to just like, let it be a little wild, you know, and you'll, you'll, and and just explore, just get lost, you know, don't, don't, I mean, it's really cliched, but it's, it's, it's true. It's like, you know, don't be afraid to sort of just like wander a bit.
3: I think that the book speaks for itself, and I'm obviously a a big fan. Is there anything that you want to specifically say about it in particular?
2: I mean, it's, it's, you know, we took our 10,000 plus places, now like 12,000, and we distilled it to what we thought were the basically the 700 best, you know? So it's it's the ideas that you can open to any page ah. and like experience this little bit of wonder, like a little bit of surprise about and about what the world has to offer.
3: I would go ahead and say it's would be the most kick-ass Christmas gift. And it <laughs> just so happens that we fall in this type of seat. And I saw, uh, I was looking at your Twitter earlier and you had retweeted, somebody had sent someone the book and a Bigfoot ornament. And like those are like right there. If you're into and a lot of people that listen to this are into that. If you want to get somebody, especially if you're a female and you're trying to get your husband to take you someplace cool, this is a great tool to do that. And you guys have the calendar and the journals are really awesome. I I always found but still my favorite thing was a little pocket map that was leather bound Mm. that someone gave me before I left that had train station info and underground information and how to get from London to Amsterdam without asking anyone. And, um, but also had, you know, copious places where you could take notes or just thoughts and share experiences. And those are the kinds of things that, uh, again, will live on longer than your trip and the memories and all that. And then what, uh you're you you, i don't even know how to describe what you guys do with these tours and everything (laughs) but how do people get involved in going on an atlas obscura adventure
2: yeah so we do a few things we have um eight different like uh, local national events chapters so new york dc chicago san francisco la philly Denver, Seattle, basically in all of those cities where we have a chapter, you can, you know, we offer somewhere between four and and 20 events a month. Um, And those are like local explorations they are, you know, going to some abandoned tunnel, you know, and learning the history and walking, you know, getting into a space you could never normally get to or into the back rooms of a, a collection. And then sort of on the slightly bigger scale, we run these international trips, so. We run trips all over the world, like to the Amazon, Madagascar, uh, a lot in Eastern Europe. Actually, I was just I was mentioning, you know, we ran this this trip to Chernobyl and, and to Ukraine where you went to the like uh, abandoned uh, mansion of the former Ukrainian president who, you know, has fled. Um, and uh, and I, I took a trip out to Bulgaria where we explored this huge saucer shaped uh communist monument called Budludza, also abandoned since the nineties. This thing is like nothing else in the world. It's like at the top of a hill. It was really snowy when we went there. And it's just like it is it is the scale of it is unbelievable. If you if you go and, and search Budludza, B U D L U D Z H A, I think that's the right spelling, uh you'll see images of it and it's it's really unreal. So we visited that place and Went to this crazy festival where everyone dresses like, you know, where the wild things are. Um, and, and so it's like. It's like a fish you know, show then. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. We go to fish shows all over the world. Um, and great. and no, we so we try and just take, we try and put our money where our mouth is. You know, we try and take people to some of these incredible places and, and show them this, you know, incredible world we live in.
3: And so people can go to the website to yes, find out that yes. information, which is just atlasobscura.com. And again, yep. can't recommend enough the newsletter. Matt, did you? you. Matt, I
1: was just looking at pictures of this thing. This thing, Oh, it, it he's looks,
3: he's all into the disc. <clears throat> it looks like a flying saucer that's about to take you, off. From the you top do of slightly cell. seem like the kind of guy that I would meet at set break, like on Randall's Island during a fish show. I do have to say that. <laughs>
2: I've never. I have yet to attend a fish show, but maybe that's maybe that's my mistake. That seems I like that that
3: that is an, an obscure thing that you would be down for. <laughs> Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna wrap up our interview with Dylan, and again, we can't thank you enough. And then sure. I'm gonna ask you my question off the air, the secret mystery question. Uh-huh. Sure, um, it's been great. I'm betting you that's Hadley right there.
1: Uh, looks like it's an LA number. Yeah. Tell Hadley I say what's up. What's I will. Up.
3: Thank you so much for the time. And tell the family I said hello. You have a beautiful family.
2: Ah, thank you. Thank
3: you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, man. We'll be in touch.
2: we Will do. All right. I'll talk to you soon.
4: Constantinople Now it's Istanbul, now Constantinople, been a long time gone, Constantinople, now it's Thursday light on a moonlit night, every gal in Constantinople, lives in Istanbul, now Constantinople, so if you a in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul, even old New York, was once New Amsterdam, why they changed it I can't say, people just liked it better that way, so take, take me back to Constantinople, New no, York, Constantinople been a long time gone Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's business but the Turks Istanbul 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 Istanbul, even old New York Was once New Amsterdam they changed it, I can't say You just liked it better that way Istanbul was Constantinople Now it's Istanbul, the Constantinople Been a long time gone it's A Constantinople, why did Constantinople get the works? That's nobody's cool, but just about the Turks get the works. That's nobody's business but the Turks, Istanbul!
1: Promotional consideration for today's episode is brought to you by New Amsterdam. Imagine a world where creatives always have a key to the city. New Amsterdam makes high-quality notebooks with creative people in mind. That's knewamsterdam.com. Use promo code NEWDAY and receive free shipping off your first order. NewAmsterdam.com. Welcome, citizen.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership,